and then just get yep. get right up to it. Yep, yep, yep. That's okay. it. Cool. That's it. You're live on the mic. I'm live. You're live. Once again. Let's just go ahead and say you're live. Ty Brazel. <laughs> Back at it. <laughs> now, how do you spell Brazel? It's B-R-A-S-E-L. No, Is it pronounced Brazel? Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. So you're coming off a uh, an album release. Yep. Tell me about it. Um, so I put out an album on June 16th. Yeah, it's titled Young T. Uh, that's my alias. Uh, my artist name is Ty Brazel, but my alias is Young T. What's a, so help help me understand what that means? Like so, Young T. Is that kind of like Eminem and Slim Shady? Yep. Okay. Same exact same thing. Same thing. So part of hip hop culture for some reason has always been just like nicknames and aliases. Um, Cause it's fun, I guess. Hova. I mean, yeah, you know, everybody has like something. They have their business name, what they go by, and then what they, you know, what people start calling them or what they brand themselves. So it just happened naturally over the year of last year and a half, two years. Where are you from? I'm from. Uh, I'm from here. So I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, I was raised back and forth between Olive Branch, Mississippi, and Memphis, Tennessee. I went to school in Olive Branch. Went to high school there. Um, but you know, all my friends and friends, families and everything for the most part was in Memphis. So I was just but kind of back pretty, and forth. That was pretty recent, right? You were just in high school. Uh, I mean, I graduated in 2012. So five years ago, I graduated a little over five years ago. Yeah, still though. So young, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Did you always know you wanted to be a rapper? Uh, I always knew I wanted to do something in the arts. Um, at first I, I kind of wanted to be a comedian. I always really enjoy comedy and comics and you know um who's your favorite well when i was young i always looked up to cat williams because i would i would watch his stuff and it was just so it was so creative it was fresh there was a lot of truth in it and so it was it was more than just comedy and so him and dave Chappelle were kind of my favorites growing up um and to me you know they're still kind of the classic yeah yeah. for for my generation at least um but yeah dave Chappelle still considered like yeah. Sort of a godfather. Absolutely. In comedy. And, you know, he's very, a lot of people don't know how respected he is among his peers. Like, a lot of those guys look at him like, you know. Where's he been? Um, so, you know, a lot of people have different theories. You know, a lot of people <laughs> have different beliefs about what really happened. Wait, there's whole conspiracies around it? Yeah, because, you know, he they offered him $50 million to continue the Chappelle show. I, I want to say this was like five, six, seven years ago. Uh, and he walked away and went to Africa, and people say that he was crazy, he was on crack and doing this and that, and he ran away. But a lot of people believe that, you know, they were trying to get him to, so to speak, sell his soul and do a lot of things that he didn't want to do and, and um, for a check for $50 million. You what know? do you think? Uh, who, me? I believe in, uh, I believe in Luciferianism and, uh, Illuminati and all that stuff. So I definitely believe that there was a lot of, uh, darker activity wait, wait. at play. Well, we're going to have to go there at some point. Cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Cause I think, uh, man, I remember watching the Chappelle show way back when, yeah. but then he just sort of disappeared off the map. Right. 50 million is a lot of money. The crazy right. thing about comedians is, man, they're really funny until they make it. Right. You know, because once they make it, they sort of leave the everyday struggle of a common person. Yeah. You know, and they no longer have that, you know, the relational capacity. I, I can't relate right. to you anymore. Yeah. So I don't true. find what you're doing funny. Right. You know? Unless they unless they're able to incorporate their old life, their normal life, because once you get money and fame, it's just you can't you're not really relatable, like you said, to most people. Yep. But if you're able to, you know, infuse, you know, things that you've been through and done that do relate to people, then they can keep the steam going. Yeah, I, I was uh, listening to a talk with Jimmy Fox. You know, okay. he's just entertaining extraordinary. Jimmy Fox? I think I know who it is, but the name isn't. Um, let's see. So, you remember that movie Ray? Mm-hmm. He played Ray? Oh, no, maybe not. I was thinking no. Ray Charles. Yeah, Ray Charles. He played Ray. Oh, he played Ray. Okay. Yeah, yeah, In the movie. Um Trying okay. to think of it. Man, I remember well, him from I know, Living I know Color. I from that. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Did you yeah, ever watch Living Color? I, my dad used to show me, but I never really got into it. But it was so, funny. Yeah, he's a, man, he is awesome. But he purposefully keeps one of his rooms in his mansion or whatever. He's super wealthy now, but he keeps one of them empty just hmm. to kind of remind himself and keep him grounded. He never, that he <laughs> I don't know if it works. at one point, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, funny. not to go off the tangent, but okay, so you wanted to be a comedian at first. Yeah, I, I I always wanted to do something that was against the norm. I guess uh, I never really wanted to be like the 
all the normal professions. I was always artistic. I expressed myself artistically, whether it be through, you know, music and copying my favorite artists or whether it was trying to write comedy and write poetry and whatever. Any type of artistic expression I would draw, I, I just I just always expressed myself artistically. And so I knew I wanted to do something in the arts. What year were you born? Ninety four. So you were born I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to think of when that uh man when the Snoop Dogg Dr. Dre album came <laughs> out. And like that what was that, ninety three? Ninety four? I don't even know. It's like know. the year you were born. So you you weren't born into a world that didn't know rap. Exactly. So you, so when you I grew was up gr- with when it. When I was growing up, yeah. So my dad used to play all types of music when I was young, and rap was one of them. So I was, I had a taste for all types of music, just good art. I always looked at it as if it's country or rap or hip um, pop, or 80s music, 70s music. If it's good art, it's good art. Yeah. When did you know rap was the lane you were going to go in? Uh, so when I was like in middle school, I would say probably mid- middle school and then going into high school, like I just... I guess I just fell in love with the hip hop culture and everything that it stood for. Yeah. Yeah. So I started writing when I was like 10, 11, because I, I had an Xbox and there was this app on there where you could make beats. And uh, I downloaded the app and me and my friend were writing. This is the first time I started writing. I was like 10, 11. Uh, but I kept writing as I got older. And uh, it wasn't until like late high school, though, that I realized that I could, I wanted to pursue it like for my, my living, my life. You when did I mean? you first realize that? Like, when did it first pop in your head that, man, I actually have a talent for this? Uh, so me and my friends used to freestyle, like, my, my 11th and 12th grade year. Uh, you know, we would, my friend had a closet in the garage at his at his mom's house, and me and, like, six friends would just circle up, and uh, we'd, you know, smoke marijuana and freestyle for hours on hours in. Now, Keep in mind, this is before I was walking with the Lord. Yeah. Put a, uh, you know, I don't want to. A disclaimer there. Yeah, I don't want to advocate or it seemed like I'm an advocate, but, you know, it was my past, so that's so what I was doing. How old were you at that point? You said 10, 11? No, so this, that was, no, nah, I wasn't smoking at 10. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been a bad kid if I started that young. No, I was like 16, 17. It's 11th and 12th grade when, okay. I, when I realized that I had a real talent for it. Because I would freestyle and I was like, man, it's like I'm spitting yeah. pretty good at this. And so, I'm, like, all your friends were just like, man, you are. Yeah, they confirmed it. Because, I mean, yeah, like, they knew, like, everybody could see, like, yo, you, you can actually spit. Like, this is real. You said that was before you had some life change. Yeah. So, I mean. So, walk me, walk me through what that process was like. Yeah, so I, I grew up, uh, my mom took me to church when I was young. I got saved when I was eight. So, I, I believed and I asked Christ into my heart to be my savior. Got baptized when I was like eight or nine. Um, and, you know, that's when it became real to me. You know, and in middle school, I had my first experience with God just praying after my grandfather died. And that was my first time really reaching out to God through pain. And um, when I got to high school, though, you know, everything was just guiding me away from spirituality. It was more all about right now here and you know, what's in front of me. And so, and then also like pop culture was really getting heavy on sex and drugs and kind of just, that was, I, I looked up, you know, cause my parents got divorced when I was like nine. So like, I didn't really just have like an older man figure that I just really like over time. I didn't really have anyone to specifically just look up to. So it became rappers for me. And, um, you know, but you said your dad was introducing a bunch of music to you. Now, this is when I was from the Real age little. like three until yeah. I was like 10, 11. You know, we yeah. still hung out here and there after. I mean, he still plays music when we hang out. Like, he's just a, he's a music connoisseur. Um, but when I say like somebody that I could look up to and that was right in front of me, living everyday life in front of me, showing me how to be a man, you know, when I there got to, and I had a stepdad, but it was like we didn't really get along like that. And so we do now, you know, thank God. But for me, it was rappers, and what they told, what they did, I wanted to be like them. You know, it's it's sell drugs, do drugs, party, get women, get cash, get cars, chains, whatever. Like it's all about materials and enjoying this life. And so that was kind of the direction I took. And you so you know, were fully bought into that. And yeah, <clears> in a sense, you know, I was kind of living a double life in a sense because I was I was playing football. You know, I was quarterback of my team, uh, 
I was playing basketball at the school. I was uh, one of the most popular kids in school, and I had I was I was like I would act up. I would, they knew I was like class clown this and that, but I had a good rapport. Like you know, a lot of people didn't know the double life I was living behind the scenes when I would leave school, and you know, me and my friends would go sell drugs in Memphis. Uh, you know. As a high schooler, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. So what what happened after? You graduated. Right, in 2012. Right. Okay, and so then what course did your life take from there? So I went to um, college at Ole Miss. Um, I was supposed to go to Memphis, uh, but I didn't get my papers turned in in time because I was just really lazy. Uh, <laughs> really lazy. And so I ended up, I had already applied for Ole Miss. Um, did you want to go to Memphis? Yeah. Why? Uh, the music program. Okay. Yeah. So, so you were wanting to go to school for music. Yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wanted to go to Full Sail, but it was too expensive. Um, so Full know. Sail is a, a program in Florida, and they're like the top uh, arts. And like they, they, you know, they train up film directors, lighting people, whatever, anything yeah. in the arts, music, producers. All right. So at first I wanted to be a producer. Uh, and I wanted to go to full arts to study production, but it was just like $55,000 for like an 11 month program Jeez. or somewhere up there, you know, they can get you a job when you get out, but it was like, yeah, I couldn't do that. So then I was like, all right, I can go to Memphis and do the, my sister was going to Memphis. She was cheerleading there, you know? Uh, so it just made sense. How many siblings do you have? One sister? I have, uh, two sisters and an older brother. My older brother went to Ole Miss. So that's why it was like Ole Miss Memphis, Ole Miss Memphis. Gotcha. Are y'all close? Yeah. Yeah. They like your music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they love it. Yeah, yeah they love my music. They're so, very supportive. So did you did you end up going to Ole Miss then? Yeah, so I went to Ole Miss. I ended up going to Ole Miss for uh three semesters. So I went for a year, came home. Do they so have I, a music program? No, nah, they don't. Okay. So I went to Ole Miss because that was my only option left. Like everything was done, but I had already been accepted to Ole Miss. So I was like, Well, that's where I'm going. Gotcha. Yeah, so I went to Ole Miss and um, didn't really have a plan. I was just going out there, and that's where I actually started rapping. So I started rapping my first couple weeks down there. Me and my friends started a group. My One of my best friends from when I was young, he ended up going there to play football. And so we ended up starting a group, me and him, called The Comfortable Kids. Did he rap or did he? Yeah, he rapped. Okay. He rapped. So were you making like your own tracks at this time too? No, we would get tracks off the internet. Producers, okay. producers sold beats on the internet. And so I had the computer and he had the uh, mic. And How does that work? You, did you have to buy the tracks? Uh, well, back then. From producers? Yeah, back then we didn't buy them. We just, you know, people gave away free beats and yeah. on the internet. Sometimes, or sometimes you could lease them. You know, they do lease programs where you can license a beat. Okay. Yeah, so we would do something like that. All right, so you said three semesters there. Yeah. What happened after that? So after my first year at Ole Miss, that's when I had my real life change, like life, life's change, like this is, I'm pursuing God forever. How did uh, that happen? So that was at the end, um, end of my first semester. So basically, just that whole first semester. Oh, so ba- just let me take it back to right after 12th grade year. So I had like... Um, this encounter with God after my, the summer, after my 12th grade year, it was actually when I was supposed to turn, the day I was supposed to turn my papers in to Memphis and my car, my car broke down on the way. And I was like, it's the last day, you know, you know, I didn't have money, I wasted all my money on drugs, you know? Um, and I had just left my friend's house and we were having a discussion about spirituality. You know what I mean? And, you know, we're smoking together, but he was like, Man, you know, his mom brought him up in the faith from a young age. And, you know, he said that he's seen uh, angels before and he's had encounters with demonic spirits. Like, and he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, for real? <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. And this was coming from a dude you trust. Yeah, it was yeah. like my brother. You yeah. Know, you know, and, 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 you know, my brother, for real. And, and so, and I grew up believing, but, you know, in high school, I kind of just... Stop. I had too many questions, you know what I mean? Not enough answers. Yeah. And so that kind of inspired me to be like, man, what if he's right? And so that day when I, you know, when I was on the way to Memphis, my car broke down. I was like, no. So I just started calling out to Jesus. It's like, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. 
help me. Quoting Carrie Underwood. Yeah, there Carrie you go. Underwood. You know, <laughs> Carrie Underwood. You, 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 a lot of people didn't know she was prophet at the time. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so it ended up. I ended up pulling off on this side street, and like ten seconds later, my friends passed me, and just this whole thing went down where we didn't. And none of us had money, but money just started popping up out of nowhere. Dollar bills. They went to the gas station, came back, put gas in, didn't work. What was wrong with the car? It needed to jump. But okay. it, but it was also out of gas, so it was like it was just I don't know. God really just to me He did a miracle, and and that that day that's when He showed me. What was the miracle? Um, coming through when I needed Him with um, money, with everything. So I, I was I was broke down, you know, in 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 this random neighborhood. And ten seconds after I break down, I'm thinking everything's over. I'm not gonna make it to Memphis. To turn my stuff in. Nothing's gonna happen the other two football captains from my high school football team drive past me in a car and they pull over. Is that Tyler? You know? And so that's the start of it. Wow. Then it turns into, I don't have money. Do y'all have money? I need gas. Nobody has money. So I'm digging through my car. And after I pull everything out of my middle console, nothing's there. I put everything back in. And as I'm putting it back in, I see this dollar, pick up a dollar. I unroll it. It's $3. And you know, a lot of stuff was happening like that that whole time. Like, even when they left to go to the gas station, like, I just felt this cool breeze. It was like 102 degrees outside, and I felt cool. It just, the whole experience to me was just, you know, divine. And a lot of people, you know, I, that's why I don't usually explain this. I always tell people I had this encounter with God, um, and I don't usually explain it because a lot of people don't understand, like, but the mental place that I was in, like, I just needed a sign. I needed something. You know, I wanted to know, like, I was calling out to God, like, if you're real, show me, please. And to me, showed me. And so after that, that's when I went to high school. I mean, that's when I went to college, uh, like a month later. So, But after that day, I dedicated my life to God. You know what I mean? I was listening to uh, Kurt Franklin Pandora for the rest of that month. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the only gospel artist I knew. So I just put it on his Pandora station, and I ended up learning a lot of gospel. And I fell in <laughs> love with the with gospel music. Um, but anyway, so I went to high. So I went to college. That I had to take you back to that to get to where I am now. So in college, my third day in college, I get arrested with weed. You know, because when I, my first day back down there, everybody's got weed, everybody's got drugs, everybody's got alcohol. You know, we're 18, keep in mind, but, you know, there's juniors, seniors, this and that. But I was at a freshman dorm, and everybody had stuff. And so I got right back in it. As soon as I got down there, I was like, man, all right. By day three? By day one. Day one. Day one. As soon as I got down there, like, I walked in my dorm, and there was this dude that looked just like Wiz Khalifa. And he had the same Wiz Khalifa glasses, and he was like, you trying to smoke a joint? And I was like, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I guess uh, I lost my compass. Yeah, and um, so anyway, I got arrested on the third day for possession of marijuana. Got caught, got arrested again. Did you go to jail? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went to jail four times my freshman year, and four uh, times, four times. So the first time I was possession of marijuana. The second time I was, I was running from the police in the dorm. I was just wild, and uh, I had some uh, weed on me, and I. Had to run, so but they didn't get they didn't get the weed, so that would have been my second strike, and I would have been kicked out of school. So God, what's going through your mind though, having had that experience in Memphis, right, with the car breaking down? So every time I went to jail, I would cry out to God, "Give me one more chance," and I, you know, I'll never do this again. Yeah, but each time I went to jail, you know, it got more and more surreal because it's like, all right, you know, judges don't play out here; like they might try to teach you a lesson keep you in here for a couple years or something like how they did in one of my, my roommate that did you ever there. actually spend a, a you know a season in jail i mean nah so um every time that uh that i needed bail my mom or my sister or somebody was coming through and then i would just go to court and find a way out of i got arrested uh a couple times in high school too but it was just like every time i would go to jail that was always like the warning for me like you're going to waste your life yeah you know what i mean and so um to me to me, that experience, uh, all those experiences in jail were, were definitely like eye-opening to me. But the final experience, my fourth time going to jail at Ole Miss, my freshman year, I was uh, I missed a court date. And they came and got me from my dorm room. And, uh, and just when I was in the jail cell, it just, I don't know, it just hit me like, you're going to waste your life. Like, you have talent, potential, and everybody sees it. 
but you're going to waste your life because you're going down this path that's going to lead you to nothing, you know, and you're destined for greatness. That's what I believed. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to waste my life at the end of the day. And so, um, it didn't happen immediately, but a couple weeks later, the guy that I was making music with, we just had this conversation. I was just telling him like, bro, I think I want to, uh, I think I want to, I think I just want to do music for God and live for God, you know? And, uh, so, but we ended up keep making music together. Was we, he on the same page on that, or was he? Kind he of was that night. Him? He was that night. You know, he was like, "Sure, let's do it." You know, his parents were ministers. He was crazy, just like me. But the next day, what did you your know, parents do? What do you mean? I mean, if his parents were ministers, I mean, you said your parents. Oh, did, what did my parents do? Yeah, what, they my, brought you to church and stuff throughout your childhood. Yeah, my mom did. And did she bail you out every time you went to jail? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't happy, you know. Right. You know, but she was always there when I needed her. Yeah. For sure. So you guys had that conversation. You're just going to start making music for God. Yeah. So I told I told uh, I told him that. And then over time, what happened, you know, I kept making music with him, but I was cleaning up my language, my content. And was that a hard transition? uh, Going from what? Like just. Almost a whole new vocabulary. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people don't understand how how hard it is to write when you can't just say anything. Right, right. When there's boundaries and guidelines for good reason. You know, it it really challenges you. It really challenges challenges you conceptually. It challenges you um, with your content. Because you still have to be dope. You still have to be good. But you're limited to a way smaller vocabulary. What year was that when you were... The freshman year of Old Miss. That was 2012. So were there... Were there... 2012, 2013. Were there artists on the scene at that point that you could look to that were rapping sort of in the in the, the Christian stream that you respected? Yeah, so what happened was when I was like 11, my youth Sunday school teacher, when my mom was still making me go to church... I hated it. I hated going at that point. And yeah. I would be in Sunday school. I wouldn't participate. But one day, um, my uh, my Sunday school teacher gave me a Lecrae uh, after the music stops. Um, CD. How old were you? I was like 11. Okay, so he was around 10, 11. When you were young. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was just breaking on the scene for real at that time. He was actually at Fellowship, I think, when that album came out. Yeah. Um, so he gave me that CD. And that was actually like, remember when I was telling you I was praying about my granddad? That was the same time. And that was when I first had my real experience with God. Actually, that and the stuff with the, that's what kind of got me into praying was uh, I listened to the album and I was just like, man, this is amazing. You know, and then I, that song, pray, uh, Praying For You, you remember that song where yeah. he flipped the story? And, yeah. Yeah, that song really touched me. What and, was it about? So it was about himself. He was telling a story about his friend who's not listening, who's not obeying, who's going down this wrong path. And then he was like, this person that I've been talking about is really me at the end of the song. Yeah. Yeah. So it was powerful. But um, I was young, you know, and and I was big into rap at that time already. I just got really big into rap. And so I was like, man. Dudes living for God, rapping about God. So by the time I, I'd already knew about him, who was your and, favorite artist at that point? He, uh, you just mean just just period. in mainstream, Ken, yeah, Kendrick, rap, yeah, Kendrick Lamar, yeah, Kendrick Lamar uh, has been my favorite ever since I discovered him. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I had already knew. Also, when I was in high school, this dude from the gym was helping. Uh, once I got turning my life with God, you know, he was he brought me around him and his friends, and they were telling me about Christian rap and. Andy Minio and Social Club, Triple E, KB, all these guys. This was 2011, 2011, 2012. So there were pl- plenty so of I knew, I knew, guys out there. I mean, that... I knew about, I really just knew about Lecrae and Andy for the most part because I'd heard some of their music before. So when I decided I wanted to do it for God, I was like, I want to be like them. I want to, yeah. I want to do this for a living. I want to live off of this. I want to, you know. So and, you made that decision your freshman year of at the end of my miss. at the end of my freshman year, but, but you still did one semester. But what it, well, what ended up happening was I was still making music with him. When I went home for Christmas break, two thousand and twelve, no, two thousand and oh, that's what it was. Okay, so I went back to Ole Miss for the third semester, 
and me and him were still that was one of the reasons I went back because I was like we've got to keep making music we had a big buzz you know we had a fan base we were growing and I didn't want to stop that how many people were coming to your shows uh well we didn't really do our own headlining shows but we were opening for like people who came to Ole Miss and we would do shows at like in the Union and around campus but like when we did King Cannon open mic a lot of people from campus came just to see us you know wow. it would be a couple hundred people at the at the open mics that's awesome and uh, we would like headline we'd close it and stuff and um so um I went back to my second year went back to Ole Miss for a semester and what ended up happening was. I was studying the Bible that semester. So I had already fully dedicated my life to God. I was I read through the whole New Testament that semester. While I was in school, I would go home. I had my apartment. I had a nice apartment at that semester. Like first year I was on in a dorm, but second year I had this apartment and I had my own room, my own space. So I would go home and read the Bible and listen to gospel music and work out every day. And so I was being sharpened and I was um, maturing. And when I went home, for Christmas break after that semester, which was 2013, the end of 2013, I ended up hanging out with my friend Alex, who I was telling you about, who him and his friends listened to Christian rap, yeah. the one who was helping me at first. And uh, I was talking to them, and I was telling them, you know, how I'm having this struggle, depending on whether or do I want to keep going in the mainstream side of things and just, you know, be a light, or do I want to just go all out and do Christian rap? And, you know, one of the guys said uh, Matthew 6.33, which was, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and uh, and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. And so I don't know why, but all I heard was seek first the kingdom of God. And when he said that verse, it hit me. That's when you made the call? Yeah, that's when I made it. That night I wrote my first Christian rap song. Really? Yeah, it was called Heaven. And um, Did you record it? Yeah, I didn't put it out though. It was just uh I wasn't I wasn't where I wanted to be, but it was Yeah. It was it was dope though. But it was a, it was a it was a crazy night. Uh that's when it, it hit me and what happened was I didn't go back for the second semester. I had an apartment down there that I had a lease on. I had, you know, I was enrolled for school, but I told my mom like I was like I want to pursue music. I want to I want to uh pursue music and ministry. And I want to do this for a living. I'm wasting my time and money at school. I'm in classes writing music. Um, D's and F's and C's right now because I'm not paying attention in class. I was like, you know, I want to do it. I want to do it for real. I want to pursue this. So uh, my mom, she, you know, she she was worried. She was very concerned, but I don't know. She just believed in me. She believed in my gift and my vision. And I told her that I felt like God was telling me to do it. And she believed me. So she ended up being cool with it? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Cause that's I told a big her, deal. Yeah, because I told her I was like, you know, in the meantime, I started the clothing line. I was like, I'm not just going to be here just wasting time. I was like, I'm going to be making things happen. And that's the more I started to, you know, as I did the clothing line and then as I started putting out songs and stuff, she started seeing things come together. Do you still have the clothing line? No, I stopped doing that after a year to focus completely on music. It was yeah. just too time consuming. Too, too much hustle. Too tough. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> it was All tough. right, so... How have things evolved since that day? I mean, uh, since when? Since that Christmas of 2013, oh, okay. I think is what you said. I mean, right now, how many albums do you have out? I have an, a full-length album. That was the one, the Young T one that I told you um, that I put out June 16th. I have a six-song EP that came out last summer, last June, June 24th. And then I have... A mixtape that I dropped January fifth, January eighteenth, two thousand and fifteen. So I have three p- total projects, and I have a few singles here and there. Um, What's the difference between like a an EP and a mixtape? So mixtape is you know usually uh, mixtape is remixes to beats that are already being used, or that's what they used to be. People would rap over other people's beats and instead of profiting from them they will put it out for free so it's a free mixtape i got you um now nowadays some people you know they put out mixtapes and it'll be their beats or their producers beats you know they're using it's their music they could put it out as an album um but they're giving it away for free so ep is purchase you know it's, right. it's a purchase product and it's you know you gotta own it you know all that so stuff. as an artist though i mean it seems like well one 
mm-hmm. that being independent is probably easier than ever, right? To not necessarily have mm. a label. It's easier than ever, but it's not easy. I, so I, you're right. It is easier than ever, but like it's I'm thinking not of easy. Macklemore, who jumped up to the top being independent. Mm. Am I wrong? Some people, some people say he was independent. Some people say he had some under-the-table backing from different places. But it's but, just cooler to say you're independent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gives yeah. you some cred. But, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, not easy at all, for sure. It's, it's it's I mean, it's just like any other entrepreneurship Are you independent adventure. right now? Um, no, nah, I just signed with a record label. Okay. I just can't talk about it uh, yet because we haven't announced Why can't we break the news right here? Can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> World exclusive. <laughs> uh, What's up, Doc? I think you're a little hot in the mix. Let's trim that. There you go. Add a lot of white noise. Better. Cool. Yeah. So, okay, so what's life look like now? I mean, are you touring? Are you mm-hmm. ramping up? What's happening right now? Yeah, so just going back to the question where you said what's things been like since that uh, Christmas break of 2013, you know, uh, and then I, all those projects that we spoke about, like, uh, I've just stayed consistent over the years, just putting out music, putting out videos, doing features for people, and just growing my fan base and stuff and um so now yeah uh, i've so up to this point i've done two tours uh one of them was 16 cities the other one was like 12 13 wow one of um, those so i did one last fall with uh thizzle jay givens jay monty and five uh, that was the heart of the king tour but you were independent at that point yeah so what does it look like to go on a tour as an independent artist though uh it depends if you're opening or if it's your tour if it's your tour it's it's a headache you but you were opening. I mean? But if you're opening, you know, you don't you don't have much responsibility. You, you just, just got to show up. Yeah. I mean, you're there. You know, you're for us. We were in a van. You know, we would drive hours. Who's us? Who would be the crew that you would run with? The artists that I just told you about okay. that went on the tour. So with y'all us. would all travel together. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we met up. Yeah, we met up in Texas and then we traveled together. And then the first tour I did was same similar situation. We were together riding to the cities and this and that. Now, you know, once you get to a point where there's a lot of money involved and uh, then you can get like tour buses and stuff like that. But uh, when you're trying to save money and make money on tour, a lot of independent artists or artists who aren't at the point where they can get tour buses, you know, they get vans and save money like that. Yeah. So now that you've signed, Mm -hmm. how how does that, I mean, you don't have to go into too much detail depending on how much you can share, but how does that change things for you? Is it less hustle? on kind of the booking end what do they help with now i guess is what i'm asking uh so having a label is is um you know there's a lot of cons uh cons and pros to everything but it's a you know it's a major blessing having a label because when you're independent unless unless you build a team uh which is rare and it happens and that's the only time when independent artists uh you just muted him yeah it's all good so um (laughs) The only time where independent artists can really break is if they have their own team set up, videographer, producers. You know, they got their own um, marketing people, like people who strategize in other stuff besides being the artist. Right. And it happens sometimes. Uh, but usually they get, you know, they break and then they sign. Uh, but when you sign with the label, basically the difference between that and independent is you have a team now. Depending on who the label is, you have money. Uh, and a lot of times, lots of it to invest into marketing, into music videos, major budget, um, big budget videos. Um, you know, they help with getting you touring, with breaking the artists, whatever it is, getting... Um, now, it used to be getting radio placements. Now it's streaming playlist placements. Um, you know, still trying to get on radio, but the focus... But that doesn't pay, though, does it? I mean, Yeah, absolutely. So, what was it? I think it was... Uh I was talking to a, a guy that works here for Made in Memphis Entertainment uh-huh. and uh, like this new label that's starting up. Okay. Um, and I, th- I mean, he's been in the industry for a while. He said Pharrell was Pharrell the one that wrote Happy, yeah. mm-hmm. that Happy song. So he said if you combined his royalties and this could be totally wrong. I'm just I'm right. totally just quoting what he said. If he if you combined his royalties from iTunes Music mm-hmm. and Spotify and that was like the number one song of the year. Mm-hmm. I think for that year, he made like $6,000 off Spotify and Apple Music. Mm, I don't know how true that is, but also I don't know how much of the song he owned, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I don't know his statement. So, so I know that, I, I know that um, 
usually for Spotify and for Apple Music are di- you know they're different. Spotify pays less than Apple Music, but Spotify uh, helps artists get discovered more than Apple Music. But for every hundred thousand plays on Spotify, it's usually like five hundred dollars. And for every you know hundred thousand, and this is you know if you drop an album, you got ten songs, each song gets ten thousand plays. You know that's five hundred dollars from Spotify and from Apple Music. It'll be more like seven fifty to a thousand, um, and you know a lot of people think it doesn't pay because of the comparison that they're used to when people spend ten dollars on one album. Right. You know, but the thing is, is that um, it's a whole new climate of music. So now that streaming is the way for everything, you know, it's about figuring out how it pays and what's happening now is Spotify and Apple music are all growing. You know, Spotify recently hit 50 million subscribers. You know what I mean? So when you drop an album now, there's a lot more incentive for people not only to listen through to the whole thing, uh, because they don't have to buy it. It's just there. Yeah. Um, but for artists, um, you know, and, and it's, it's still, it's still growing. Like it's not where it's going to be, but everything is shifting to streaming right now. Right. Um, so physicals are dying out. Um, even digital sales are, you know, they're 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 staying pretty consistent, but everything is shifting to streaming, and so right. it's all about learning how to take advantage of the new market instead of looking at change. The change is a bad thing, right? You know what I mean, I bet it's a lot easier too for younger people that to never, do what? that never lived in the world of hard disk sales and right all that, where they can kind of look back on a time where right. So a lot of a lot of older artists who say, "Man, I used to sell." CDs, $10, $15 pop. I used to live off of this. Now I can't live because it's streaming this and that. And, and I can understand that, you know, but at the same time, it, it, it's, you know, it makes it more difficult now because you, you're competing with a lot more artists. So you have to really uh, focus in on making the best art possible if you want to compete yeah. in today's climate, you know. So, yeah. So there's still money to be made in music. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Um, <laughs> tons. You know, more. In fact, um, Speaking of money, making money off streaming, I, I don't want to quote because I can't remember where I saw it, but um, um, the music industry total is is making more money now than it was uh, a couple of years, uh, maybe five to ten years ago when it was more heavily digital sales. The music industry as a whole? Yeah. So so basically, like, so uh, streaming pays out very similar to how um, stuff would so basically, a song every fifteen hundred streams counts as a album sale. Interesting. Yeah, every fifteen hundred streams counts as an album sale. So if one person has one song, like uh, on repeat, uh, yeah, that that too. <laughs> but if one person has one song that gets a million streams, you know, that song counts for fifteen hundred worth of album sales every fifteen hundred streams. So. I don't know the math, but it would probably be you can't 10 do that in your head to right 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be a lot of, uh, it would probably be like 10,000 album sales, somewhere around there, just for, so One somebody, song. yeah, somebody like, um, you know, uh, the let's just say the Migos, their song Bad and Bougie that went huge, massive. Before their album dropped, they are probably already had, you know, ten to 20,000 album sales off of the streams that came from that one song. Because yeah. uh, it was fifteen hundred, you know, per, and it's an album sale. So, it, you know, the people who used to uh, keep up with all that data and and who used to run that side, they're they're you know they're still adjusting, but they're getting to a point now where they're they're evening it out, they're equaling it out, where it makes sense in the streaming world. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, have you been uh, have you been touring out of the country at all? Uh, so I have. The only time I've been out of the country is I did a show in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, I did a couple shows, two shows in Toronto. I'm curious, like, what is this? What is the state of rap right now? I mean, um, where is it headed? Because I mean, we've seen sort oh, of yeah. progression. Real quick, before we move on, I want to say too for streaming, like one thing that streaming does, it helps artists with touring. So um, it helps to break artists. Right. Um, and the biggest thing nowadays, the ways that uh, artists make money is touring. Especially artists who are signed, because most artists who are signed, you know, they're giving away most of the rights to their um, to their record sales, because that's how the record companies make money. They help make you a star. You go out, you make money on merch, touring, licensing, right? You know, whatever it may be. But streaming is is very, very, very effective in helping get the artist discovered. You know, with these playlists, yeah. And so, when, what do you mean by playlists? Like people create these playlists to get subscribed to. See, so it's 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 almost like a. Um, 
like a radio station. So, you know, like for instance, on Spotify, there's a big playlist called the Rap Caviar, uh, and that's for mainstream rap. And it's the biggest rap playlist on any streaming now, did some platform. Dude in his basement just create this. No, no, no. So Spotify okay. has <laughs> employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, good question. I mean, Spotify has employees who curate playlists. That's all they do. It's like DJs who would uh play a playlist yeah. of songs. It's, it's the same thing. It's DJs putting together the playlist of the hottest songs out. And then these playlists like Rap Caviar, I want to say has three to four million subscribers. Jeez. So when a song is added, you know, all this whole new world is introduced to this song. And there's a lot of there's probably tens of thousands of playlists like i got added to a playlist recently called the blessings playlist it's got ninety thousand followers so that that doesn't mean all those people are listening to the playlist but there's just a whole new world open to discover your music that was gonna be a question i was gonna have about those things like uh so essentially if you're you know kind of up and coming and you get added to one of those those things you can blow up way faster than you could actually handle in in some cases like it's like getting on the radio yeah it's like getting on the radio and then like you've got you know, almost like a built-in fan base at, at that point. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, because you have to be consistent. Some people that come on, they may build up a fan base. You know, it helps to be consistent. But at the end of the day, yeah, absolutely. So then I guess my question is, instead of like like out there hustling, you know, ten dollar, fifteen dollar CDs in a parking lot, right? Like you should be networking to get yourselves on one of those playlists, then, right? Two thousand seventeen. That's right. See, yeah. If you, it, it, yeah, I think it's good to you know people who want to do both. You know, would be good, but I think to forfeit to only do the selling hustling CDs. That's two thousand and ten. Are there people, yeah, whose sole job is just to like an agent? Is there other people whose sole job is to get you into those absolutely playlists? Um, so with labels, that's one of the reasons why now why labels uh, are because at first it was looking like there was a shift and. You know, Chance the Rapper became the biggest artist, uh, basically in hip hop for the last year or two, and he's independent, so called. You know, and so why do you put that in quotes? Uh, because a lot of the people who people think are big independent artists, they have major backing behind the scenes. It may not be a label, or they may ha- have label services. But at the end of the day, he did it independent. But I put it in quotes because the true form of independent means that you didn't have any major backing from somebody behind right. you. Like no matter what it be, a company, an investor, this and that. Um, so that's who they're getting the backing from. A lot of a lot of yeah, a lot of big artists get you know they get they get it's an investment. backing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just absolutely. like any other yep. investment. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, they kept their records, they kept their masters. So so there was a swing. Independent. Yeah, it looked like there was a swing happening. Yeah, and, and but what ended up happening was a lot of people didn't know that uh, the labels bought tons of stock into these streaming services in order for the streaming services to get the rights to use their music. Gotcha. It's crazy. Yeah. So crafty. Exactly. So now labels basically have a a big say in what gets on these playlists. So a lot of the artists who are getting on the bigger playlists are artists who are signed to major labels, man, follow the money. So another (laughs) another question I had about those is like, for me, the one I most heavily listen to is the, like the new music. Like I use Apple music. I use new music Friday, the the new music Friday. It's every Friday. I'm like, like, hook that up, listen to it all week. Yeah. So like at that point then, is it, is it more beneficial for you to, to release more music to have like on a newer release cycle, like Mm -hmm. a quicker release cycle than it is to have a a bigger like hit. Right. Like what what's Um, the trade off there? Yeah. I think, um, in a sense, yeah, but the biggest thing now is singles. So yeah. people are putting out singles in hopes that they get on playlists. Like, that's just the way of building now uh, as but an that's artist. Not, I don't know if that's necessarily the case as far as, like, because even on that playlist, they'll throw in artists and songs from years ago. Hold on, what, hold on. Not on New Music Friday. Yeah. Like, if, it, if there's different like playlists. The, the Discover on, on Spotify? No, 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 no. It's like Apple Playlist. I've gotten, like, older songs on... But this is what I'm saying, though. Like, each playlist is set for... Like, a New Music Friday, they're not going to put an old song on there because they put new songs every Friday for right. what came out that Friday. But if you have a 80s rock playlist or if you have a hits, all the hits playlist, it might be stuff from 2000 to 2015, but... Uh, most of the bigger playlists are introducing new hits. That's so crazy. So really, the the game is about playlists at this point. That's what it's shifted to. It's still, you know, radio is still a powerful entity, but at the same time, radio's it's been run by major labels. Yeah, you know, so now major labels still have a big hand in streaming, but a lot of uh, independent artists and artists who aren't uh, or may maybe just getting signed or they're not signed even to a major label, but to an indie label or 
um, mid-label, mid you know, somewhere in the, in the middle of Indian major labels, um, they still have opportunities. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of, because going back to your question earlier, a lot of big playlists happen from people who curate them who don't work for Spotify. They are people who may be at their basement or just music fans, music bloggers, whatever it is, and they may build up a following and they may have 40,000 followers. And so a lot of independent artists get on those type playlists. And even that, you know, more of those you get on, the more, more Gosh, exposure. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Right. So can I ask one more question? On, yes, sir. On digital, media, digital music services. You guys might have already touched on this. Like, so we've talked about Spotify and Apple Music. Where does, where does uh, SoundCloud fit into, like, as an independent label especially, or an yeah. independent artist especially? How does that fit into your mix? Um, so basically SoundCloud um, is similar to Spotify. And a lot of the big streaming thing, um, uh, applications, it's just free music. So um, that's more for the independent, yeah, for the independent artists because um, a lot of independent artists like to give their music away for free. That's how they build their fan base. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, if they don't know you, they may not buy their buy your music. But if it's just there streaming for free, and the way that people break on SoundCloud is there's reposts. Uh, there's a repost button. So when somebody drops a song. Uh, if you get somebody with 5,000 SoundCloud followers and they repost your song, then their, uh, you know, their followers, when they get on SoundCloud and they're scrolling that so-and-so reposted this song, so they play it, they like it, they may repost it, and all their followers yeah. see it. And so it's just a, you know. You're hoping for that trickle effect. Right, and, and, and it's, there's a similar sound that's very popular on uh, SoundCloud at the moment, and it's independent rap. So it's indie rap, which is more of like not the mainstream sound, but it's more like kind of it may be like chill or it may be like um, like real like uh, nostalgic type production. Um, I don't really know how a to throwback. explain it. Uh, in a sense, like it's not it. it a lot of um, a lot of independent artists who blow up on SoundCloud, they have like a real like just like chill vibe. It's like a Real, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just chill. It's just it's real funny that, like, soft and smooth. A platform has its own sound. Well, it tends you, to do well. It's crazy because, um, you know, it wasn't like that, but it was just the more, I guess, the fan base who flocks to SoundCloud, that's their, you know, that's they their They want to chill. Yeah, they want to chill. They want to chill. Yeah. So when you perform, who are you performing with? Are you by yourself? Yeah. Are you just, uh, do you bring your tracks like on a computer? You just, yeah, I have performance somebody... tracks. And uh, usually there's either a DJ or somebody who runs the sound who right. I give my tracks to. Yeah. So, what is, as you were kind of looking into the future, what's your message? You know, what are those things mm-hmm. that like you get up in the morning you want to write about? Uh, I mean, man, I, I try to be very, uh, uh, I try to bring a lot of variety into my concept. So, Honestly, uh, I just try to write about life uh, from my perspective. So my perspective is a biblical worldview. Um, And so I try to infuse that worldview into whatever it is I'm facing, whether it's my uh, relationship issues, you know, whether it's um, dealing with uh, pain and struggle or tragedy. Uh, No matter what the situation or the concept is, I try to um, present it and then infuse you know, how, the way I see it and the way it's affecting me from what I know and believe. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you ever rap about the Illuminati? Uh, <laughs> I used to. I used to, uh, back, back, in, uh, back in college, I used to write songs about it. <laughs> that was <laughs> Try to expose Earlier it. he was talking about the Illuminati. Oh, yeah. I yeah. discussed well, that. Well, he brought it out of me. Yeah. See, I, I discussed <laughs> that with, with my friend Rufus, and, like, we, we did um, the Streets Music Factory, and, like, a lot of these rappers in high school, that's all they wanted to talk about. Right, on, right. On Why? Right. And we're, like, we're wondering to ourselves, like, how is that so, like, how is that such a popular concept with these kids? Right. Uh, I, I'll tell you why. You know, Please do. I was a high school guy who got sucked into it, even though, you know, it wasn't necessarily Whoa, You didn't a bad say thing. that was in the past. You said you still... Oh no, I yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I definitely still uh, believe. You know, I just yeah. don't I don't really uh, talk about it and rap about it as much because I used to be consumed with it. Um, so basically, what's, what's the draw? So basically, my generation, you know, when we grew up, you know, YouTube was the biggest thing in the world. You know, you, <laughs> so YouTube was the source for everything, and so. <laughs> Anybody can post to YouTube. And so what happened back in the day, now it was a good thing and a bad thing because, you know, we got a lot of good with a lot of bad. But back in the day, people started um, posting 
you know, at first it started out as VCR movies. There were people who would come out with these uh, VCR movies and they would go in the streets. People would pass them around or sell copies of them. And uh, one of them was called The Truth or something like that uh, back in the day. And it was apparently exposed in like... Uh, how the Illuminati worked and how celebrities were connected and superstars were connected and this and that. People would make their own VHS tapes and hand them out? Well, it, it might have even been DVDs at that point because, uh, you know, I was like probably in high school around this time when it was really blowing up uh, underground-wise. But YouTube was the biggest source of information for anything that you could type in something about whatever and somebody would have a video explaining <laughs> or giving their own. But there were some very, very, uh, very... Um, informational videos on youtube a lot of times and it would make you think contemplate and what happened what happened is it was all connected to spirituality so that was what the for a lot of us who are young and and we're looking at this and we're like you know we may not have been the biggest believers or the biggest um on spirituality but spirituality is the most interesting thing in the world because it's beyond us, something we can't really understand a lot sure. of times. And so that was the big draw for me. It was like they're talking about demonic spirits and demonic entities and how Satan is um, using the influence of the most popular people in the world to reach children and try to promote, uh, whether it be violence, death, whatever it is. So at the time, like, it was very appealing to a lot of people, including me. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's how that's how. Is that the concept of, of the Illuminati? Is it like? Uh, it's de- it's much deeper than that. Like it would, we would have a long conversation. But at the end of the day, that's kind of like um, the pop culture version. What they understand, it really goes deeper. Like as far as like really, really, really rich people who own banks in different countries and right. families who uh, have a long-standing history of uh, funneling a lot of money through their own family and power and control. But when you look at the surface, uh, a lot of the the popular things that uh, we used to learn about would be about how um, popular, whether it be a movie star, an athlete or celebrity or anything would um, leverage their fame or their, uh, their star, whatever it was that gave them influence. And uh, they would use that, for whether it be money uh, or to get fame, this and that, and they would use their influence to promote the agenda of those who weren't with God, so to speak. So basically, Satan, Lucifer. And um, when you think about it, it's uh, it's uh, it's not it's not a far fetched idea to think that Lucifer is using the influence of really powerful and famous people to promote death and to promote promote drugs, violence, sex, whatever it is, anything that's against God's agenda. You know, it's not really a far-fetched idea, but what happens is a lot of people mix in a whole bunch of foolishness with it, and that's when you get the whole, you know, it becomes a joke to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah, and I think that's what it is to a lot of people. It's like a punchline. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, if you look at the uh, historical facts about the group Illuminati, uh, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very, uh, very real, and um, it's... Uh, it's um, you know, it's not something that uh, people are like debate. Is this real? A lot of people just debate about what it really the is and what it does. Function. But there was definitely uh, historical facts about when it started, how it continued, right. how it's going on today. And, uh, yeah, it's not. It's not like a. It's not something that people are like. Is it true? Is it not true? Is it a mystery? It's like no. Nah, there's historical documents that that about how it came yeah. about and how it continues. Yeah. yeah. So I, I gotta ask, how did you find or how did you? get involved with fellowship memphis so um i was going to a church in olive branch called life fellowship for a couple years when i first really started walking with god when i left college and um man really just uh one of my friends a guy named uh jay blesso uh invited me to church um and this was to fellowship yeah it was when they were doing the uh neighbor series my where gay neighbor. my gay neighbor yeah yeah and i was like really uh intrigued by it but this is when uh brian laris was the pastor and you know i was just uh i was you know me anyway i was already doing hip-hop so uh i loved the divi- the diversity uh, yeah. off the bat i right. was like this is incredible i've never seen anything like this church i went to was like 90 percent caucasian yeah uh and you know 
I just thought that was just how churches do. You know, they yeah. go they go by their nationality, and that's what that's how they go to church. That's yeah. what it is. And then I saw fellowship, and I was like, "This is a whole new world." You know, this yeah. looks like heaven. What I think heaven would look like, and you know, so that when I honestly I felt like. I felt like I wanted to go there before I even heard a sermon or heard the worship. But yeah. then when I heard the worship, I was like, man, this worship is fire. It's like they're <laughs> they're using like old hymns and doing them in like modern ways with new, you know what I'm saying? Like that sounds like relevant to my ear, but it's still, they're like infusing theological truths and stuff like that. I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. It's yeah. amazing. They don't have a big light <laughs> show with the rock band. It's not, nothing against that. But that wasn't my, when I, you know, that wasn't, you know. I wasn't, Just to be clear, you said they didn't. They didn't. They, they didn't have the whole <laughs> shebang bang. I wasn't going to a concert. I felt like I was going to church. You know what, what, are you, what are your? Uh, uh, oh, let's talk, let's talk. What about are your it. thoughts on that? Let's I mean, talk about it. Do you think? Uh, do you think that that? I'm trying to phrase the question correctly. Are you're young? You're right. like what? Twenty two? Yeah. Twenty two. Turn twenty three uh, in a couple weeks. But oh, yeah, I got it right. 22. All right. So. You were in high school not even five years ago, right? About five. Yeah, years. a little over five years. So ago. you're fresh in the grade school scene. You know, you're a lot of college students are your age. You know, right. you're young. The uh, the super produced. Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the heavy lights. Right. You know, are people still? Your age, what does that do for a person your age? I'm going to just be real. That's what drew me into the church at first. Uh, when I first started going to that church, yeah. I was like, The one in all the branch? Yeah. So when you're not used to, like, the church or uh, just this and that. Like, or I, let me take it back. I grew up in a uh, First Baptist church that was real strict, that was real, like, it was not liberal at all in any of its, uh, any of its beliefs as far as, like, Christianity-wise. Like, but, um... It was real uptight. I never had fun. So I go to this new church all of a sudden when I'm 17, 18, and I hadn't been to church in five, six, seven, eight years. You were surprised. I was like, it's like, a, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the world? Like, this is church? We can go to church and have a concert and, you know, the pastor has tattoos and whatever. I was like, this is amazing. Um, you know, and so to be honest, it, it really drew me in for a long time for, for a year. I really enjoyed the, because I was fresh as a believer and it, it seemed like culturally, culturally relevant to me. It felt like they were trying to speak your language. Yeah. It felt like they were yeah. trying to speak my language. Now what happened was over the years, I started to kind of realize, like once I started realizing that I needed, uh, more, um, as the, as the Bible would say, I needed meat. You know what I mean? I started to realize um, all this is good and fun, uh, and it really drew me in. But at the same time, like, as you grow, it's like, for me, I got to a point where I was just stagnant. I, was, I didn't feel like I was growing. I didn't feel like I was really being uh, just fed how, how I felt yeah. like I needed to be to grow and to cultivate as a, as a believer. And so I was already looking for something else. So when I came to fellowship, not only was the the worship was on point, the whole atmosphere, but the you know to, the word was, was like the best sermon I had ever heard up to that point. And I was like, all right, this is my new church. Yeah. So that was the day that I started going um, every Sunday. So yeah. I, I came back the next Sunday, next Sunday, and I never went back. Yeah. So the uh, so it drew you in initially, but didn't sustain, and so you. Right. So, you know, like I said, it's cons and pros to everything, I feel like. And I felt like for the season I was in, I feel like I needed uh, to be spoken to in my language. You've got to be the first person I've ever met that reverses pros and cons. What I say, cons and pros? (laughs) (laughs) That's the second time you've done that. (laughs) I guess it's because, you know, I I feel like... The man works in pros. Yeah, a lot of of times I feel like the pros outweigh the cons. Uh, So So you want that to close the deal. Yeah, I try not to speak. It is like, well, there's pros, but there's cons. It's like, no, there's cons, but there's pros. You know what I mean? (laughs) You want that to be the last thing people remember. Yeah. All right, so where can people find you? I mean, what's the best place to go and hear everything you've got going on? Uh, yeah, so I just dropped, like I said, I dropped a, a new album on June 16th called Young T, and it's available everywhere that music is purchased and streamed except for uh, physical locations. So any digital place like Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, you know, 
I can't get iTunes. it then. I, I only on, get CDs. Down. You only get CDs? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I have to get you a CD. Well, we're going to have to get you a Spotify membership to update you to 2017. Um, but no, so I'm also on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just T-Y underscore B-R-A-S-E-L. Is that for everything? Yeah. For all your stuff? Mm-hmm. So we just find T-I underscore. T-Y. Yeah. T-Y, T-Y underscore Brazel. Brazel, yeah. And that's it. And people yeah. can see your YouTube. You can see my videos on YouTube. Uh, you see me uh, when I'm in town. You can see me at Fellowship. Yeah. Are you got any shows coming up in Memphis anytime soon? Um, I am working on doing a Young T uh, concert series, five or six shows. And if I do it, I'm going to do one in Memphis. But cool. other than that, I don't have anything booked. I'm actually, uh, we're working on getting some tour stuff worked out for the fall. And so I don't, my, yeah, my schedule, I just can't really, yeah. Yeah. My schedule, I can't, like, book my own stuff really anymore. I have to, like, you know, we all have to discuss it as a team. And so, um, yeah, but right now we're trying to get myself involved as an opener for a tour or two in the fall. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, appreciate you coming up here. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it. Thank you guys. Uh, We're big uh, Ty Brazel fans, so. Thanks, man. Go check him out. Ty Brazel. Thanks, man. Yes, sir.